we all need to talk and think about. Here now is Jennifer Graziano and Time to Talk. Good morning, Westchester. It's 9 a.m. on Monday, and that means it's time to talk with me, Jen Graziano. I'm a licensed funeral director who oversees my family's funeral homes, Cox and Graziano of both the Marinick and Greenwich and the Zion Memorial Chapel of Westchester. Every Monday, I come to you discussing important topics and sensitive matters that all of us need to pause and reflect upon at some point. And through this show, I hope to provide the platform to do so. If you're joining us this morning on 1460 WVOX, a Whitney Global Media Station, we'll take questions, comments, and calls to 914-636-0110. Good morning, Vinny and Controls. And good morning, Facebook Live viewers. Happy to have you join us this morning with Tim Judge behind the camera from GreenwichLocal.com. So familiar faces, familiar voices this morning on air on 1460. I am so delighted to finally be joined by friends and fellow uh, WVOX radio colleagues, Maura Carlin and Christy Derrico, the host of The Balanced Dilemma, which is also a podcast available. And it discusses, they run the gamut of issues that they discuss. There truly is a balanced dilemma to any professional working woman, mother. And, and I guess the same could be sent, said for men too. We're all juggling and there are so many things out there that we need to pause and think about and reflect upon and plan for. So with the help of you two fine ladies today and dear friends, I'm happy to do that. Good morning. Oh, wow. That was tough to beat. Jen, <laughs> you've thank got you for that. having us. Yes, There's a you. lot to spit out about you guys. It's hard <laughs> to like sum you up. You are people that you know, big introductions are necessary. Well, we come from the same local uh, town and Maura and I have been working on this concept since 2016, was it? It might have been 14. It might have been 14. And something we've discussing, passing articles back and forth and our pitch, our guests, our entrepreneurs, reinventors, creators, executives, parents and partners d juggling the balanced dilemma. You know, trying to manage life, work, family and self. And really, everything in life requires some kind of balance. True. And then it, it's really hard to ever truly strike that balance. And it's always a juggling act. But I want to dive a little bit into, like you said, this was a concept that was born before the actual show. So what specifically were you looking to target in creating this show? Who is your audience? And what specifically about the everyday balance dilemma we all face do you like to tackle? Well, it started from our personal experiences, which diverged and looking into why. As you may know, Christy has continued practicing law. We are both attorneys. Okay. I wanted to get into your backgrounds. Yes, as right. well. We're, we're both attorneys. I practiced as a litigator for a long time in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, two working parents with you know uh, careers that had very long, unpredictable, inflexible hours, mm -hmm. we, my family couldn't make it work and hers could. And we, we sort of started from there, like, well, look at the differences. Um, but the other thing for me personally was I found in my attic an article that I don't know how it got there, but it's from like 1981 called Confessions of a Superwoman. And she was talking about the exact same things that we were talking about, only it was 30 years later. And I'm like, we've got nowhere. Well, I, want, I want to, there is a story that I always tell and uh, Maura and I met at LMC TV studios and she walked in and uh, maybe I've embellished what she said, but in my mind, she walked up to me and said, I've just left a 
uh, blank show. <laughs> like she just said, she came from home. It was chaos. And I'm like, I love this woman. And it's kind yeah, of that would have like made me apt to be your friend. Exactly. Like, that's well, real. Mm-hmm. The same with you and I, Jen, we often have these conversations like, how are we doing it? And what's different, Maura has said that I got it to work, staying working. But a lot of times I am covering what is really going on to allow the work to continue. I'm, I'm making it look good, but it's a lot of stress. And yeah. also it's a lot of luck who you marry, what you both evolve in being able to handle. And we started talking about it. And then Maura sent me that article and we had a great laugh that this woman was writing 30 years before about everything we were talking about. And what we've loved about the show is the learning process. I mean, I think of ourselves as social scientists. Absolutely. Every guest has shown us something that we didn't know. Oh, wow. Um, another side to things, whether they started a business, how they got there, uh, whether they stayed at home for 20 years and then got working again, the different paths. We've also spoke to the fathers and this whole concept of paternity leave. And both of us, I think we take the discussions home. And I talk with my husband about it. I talk with my family about it. I talk with my son about it, who's 14, what it's going to be like for him. And it's been this huge learning process that mm-hmm. we really want to share with people. Absolutely. It's wonderful. I mean, you, the more you learn, the less you know, they say, but it's well, so that's absolutely true. right. And, and I think too, those who remain stagnant and so stuck in the fact that they, there's nothing they need to learn. I mean, those are the really unfortunate people. You're As long as you're living and breathing, you're learning. I always say that. And it's true. Through doing the show, you learn about concepts you never knew about, industries, fields you never knew about, and the great pivot, which you see. And and I tend to find that too. Um, you know, people think they start off on this trajectory and especially attorneys, you know, we're, we're analytical, we're right side brain, I get, or whichever, the non-creative side of the brain. <laughs> That's what we are. Um, and you think that you're on this path, but then life just throws so many curveballs at you. And I think your show really helps address some of those curveballs. And I want to talk about that with you today. Well, we talk about pivots almost every show because everyone has to pivot at some point in their life. So true. You know, we make plans. They say God laughs, but it's it's true. Um, So let's talk specifically about, I want to talk about some issues today that you're here to really help our listeners deal with. We also talk about, in addition to being you know, you've been part of that sandwich generation where you've had your children and you have your parents to care for. And that's a very real thing. You're also attorneys and you work with, you run the gamut of legal issues that you face. So let's talk about the things that the planning ahead, the checklist in life, the mental checklist, the tangible checklist that you need to have. Let's start with elder care issues first with respect to dealing with aging parents. We'll start there from your professional and personal opinions, what do we need to have in place? Well, I think you need to talk to your elder people, to the elders in your life. Mm -hmm. And I've been through this recently, and I guess I'm still going through it because fortunately my mother is still here. Mm -hmm. But my father was ill for a long time. And when he passed two and a half years ago, my mother said, well, we have a plan. This is what's going to happen. Well, it wasn't so much of a plan as, well, this is what I think we'll do for funeral arrangements. And I actually had to come in and take charge of that. And it wasn't what she had planned other than she had, they had bought plots. Okay. Which raises an interesting question because I was speaking to someone recently who said, 
what she has learned is that everyone should buy plots by the age of 50. 50. I'm going to write that down. Wow. And I, I, so I actually I wanted to ask you because statistic. that seemed kind of young. So, you know, it's interesting because I always tell a family when they come to me and they say they want to prearrange and it's not like an immediacy situation or even even in the immediacy. I say, step one, have your plots. That's such an important thing because you, meaning the person whom the plot is for, want to be a part of that selection process. You might have thoughts on it. You might have a place that you absolutely love or absolutely hate. And it's a real estate transaction if you think about it and probably your most permanent address, if you will. So you want to really have a voice in that conversation. And I think that that lends to a greater dialogue of making, making your voice heard in your final preparation. You have to talk about that, which is uncomfortable. And no one in this world runs out to excitedly buy cemetery plots. You know, it's a thing. So to your point, I do think it's an important piece of the puzzle. I don't know if I would have said 50, but it can't hurt to do it. Uh, To my knowledge, I've never heard of a statistic on it. But I mean, I can simply say in my professional opinion, getting that done is so important. And again, having your your voice a part of the selection process, your voice, your decisions and your wants and wishes a part of the process is so important. I also think that apart from the plot, as they're going through life, you really want your parents to feel respect and that they still have agency and decision-making control. Absolutely. And I'm going to give an example, and I'm going to hope my mother isn't listening, (laughs) that my father had dementia and was bed-bound for a long time. And people kept saying to us, why don't you put him someplace? And my mother didn't want to. Mm -hmm. And there were reasons why, clearly why she should. But when you thought about it, if she had done that, she would have felt the need to sit there at least for some period of time every day. But Mm -hmm. by being able to keep him home, she could continue her life and yet feel that he was there. And by listening to her and respecting that she had a life to live and not to take it away from her because he was ill. Right. And I think so many people forget about that piece of it. I think, yeah, go ahead, Chrissy. Well, we're talking about planning Mm -hmm. and, um, I think prior generations did plan for things like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just at a funeral this weekend and my husband commented, oh, look, everyone died in the same year. And I said, honey, that's because they bought the plots at such and such a time. And this is the area where you're buried if you are right, of right. a certain age. Right. But unfortunately, my life has had a lot of premature deaths, mm-hmm. which you don't plan for. The unexpected. Absolutely. And that was part of my narrative. You know, Mara's talking about elderly parents. I saw death at a very young age that made in my mind, oh, I've, I've got to be prepared. You don't. Because right. you don't know. You don't know. And it's something we've discussed, always having credit in your name in case your your spouse predeceases you, mm-hmm. um, if somebody gets ill, you know, making sure you're in the workforce so you could swoop in and help. Absolutely. These are all on the list. In fact, we recently had a death, uh, had a guest on our show where the big pivot in her life was the death of her was husband the death. and all the things that she didn't know and had to learn in warp speed. It's education by fire. With children, not oh. terribly young, but the youngest being in high school. And yeah, young uh, that, w- that was Beth Robbins. And I, I met her in a program and she wrote the book, A Grief Sublime. But uh, that's a big part of her story. But the first thing she did say to me when I met her and she told me about her book, she told me she did not appreciate her husband enough in life. 
and that she wished she had had time to maybe not sweat the small stuff. That's Mm -hmm. how she put it. And so there's all of these things that you uh, come to learn. And um, Beth even has a list in her book of things you should tackle, but it's a lot of emotional issues that we should discuss, relationship issues, what's important. And then there's the nuts and bolts of planning that I think we, as lawyers, we were always thinking you got to do that. So right there in all of that is a balanced dilemma. Absolutely. Because you have to live mindful that the unknown could happen every moment, but yet you don't want to be this somber, morose, pessimistic person. But you need to be aware. You need to have a plan ready. The time to create your plan is when things are happy and healthy and you have clarity of of thought. But there's a balanced dilemma right there. Living well, living your best life, but being mindful that at any given moment, the rug could get ripped out from under you. And I think one of the things I think, I think we're raising our daughters differently today because I think it's, it's you know, endemic in their upbringing now that we prepare them that they are going to be out in the career world. They are going to be breadwinners, contributors. I think that it's it's just givens now, but our daughters watch us and they kind of assume that you have to run with the torch. But when we're raising our girls differently and the hope is that they're able to tackle the known and the unknown head on. You know, they have a different set of survival skills, I think. Absolutely. And uh, it's generational. I always had a working mother and a working grandmother, which is unusual. Yeah. Um, And aunts who worked. uh, But I, I know that's not the narrative that most women have experienced but you're also trying to juggle the joy. You don't want to be tethered to the career. That's and, just, and, yeah. and, you know, and I speak from a place of single motherhood. I think that's one of the greatest and most unspoken challenges that you have to be good cop, bad cop, and you have to be breadwinner. So you're, again, a balanced dilemma. You still want to find joy in life. You want to smile. You want to snuggle. You want to cuddle. And you don't want those moments, those fleeting moments to go away. But at the same time, you're the disciplinarian. You're also the fun parent. You're also the working parent. So again, everything in life, all these different scenarios we're posing create their own balance dilemmas. So one of the things I've seen with women who have lost spouses young when mm-hmm. they have young children mm-hmm. is this real fear. I'm now the only parent. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, nothing can happen to me. It's very true. And I'm and I'm speaking from a place of not, you know, widowhood, but divorcehood. And when you raise a child that way, and I had kind of an unconventional situation and, and you know, I can fully disclose, uh, I was married to my daughter's father. He left when she was probably about a year old and I've mm-hmm. raised her alone since. There is this encumbrance on you that, oh my gosh, like I need, I need to be healthy. I need to be here. And it's that, I guess I have to go for a physical every year. I guess I have to go for a checkup. I have to listen to my body. And it's, you know, you even become fearful if you ever took a trip alone and got on an airplane. And there's so many things you think of and quite a different world than what we grew up in. The, the, the things you hear are crazy. But you're, that's very true, Maura. That's a valid point that I can but speak you're to. But you're raising also the issue going back to thinking about planning. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we can go back to the things that you need to have in order, maybe starting at about age 50. But as a single parent, and we see when clients come into the office to draft a will or something Mm -hmm. like that, there are concerns about guardianship and uh, trusts and what ages your children will come into money. 
So you really need to have a list of things that are the boring issues that you have to attend to maybe over the course of five years and tick them off. And one of them is once you become a parent, you have to make sure all of those things in order. Uh, which family member do you trust enough? Absolutely. And, and that may also change during the course. And it may not be a family member. That's right. It Very may... true. And and these are evolving documents that you create. We right. always say there's some ha- administrative housekeeping that should be done, you know, every maybe five or 10 years or pursuant to a life event, a, a death, divorce, a marriage, new people or people coming in and out of your life. So, you know, this is definitely going to have to go into a part two show because there's a lot. So just letting you know, there will be a, a part two to this. But let's talk. So let's try to assemble a checklist, if you will, for all the listeners and viewers out there. If we had to rank the top five things that everybody by age 50 should have, what would you say they are? Well, you start with a will. A will. Okay. Uh, and it has to deal with guardianship and it has to do with who's going to handle the money, particularly if your children remain underage. And those are really difficult long-term discussions. Do you yeah. want one child to be responsible for the other children to make those decisions? Do you want a corporate trustee? Is that a better way to go? Right. Absolutely. And uh, also, if you have a trust, what age do they come into the money? I mean, we have seen people inherit large sums that are broke by 30. So that's another discussion. And what they can use uh, the money for in the trust to either start a business, education, housing. These are all things you, this is a- Who's going to administer it. That's right. These are primary documents. Having trusted people around you and your trusted advisors. And honestly, sometimes that's a hard thing too. We feel bad about choosing people over, you know, someone over another. But when it comes to these matters, it's from a place of neutrality and you have to really pick the best person for the job. And it may be the best person at that time. That's so right. That's the number one to me. Okay. So having a will, having directives in place for that what if scenario and directives in terms of, um, you know, guardianship, asset direction, asset disposition, um, whether or not there's a trust. But so again, having a good attorney that you're working with, Having the will, number one. Um, you said power of attorney. Well, this is an evolving uh, thing. First of all, the forms have changed. Absolutely. And certain financial institutions will not take the ge- general uh, power of attorney. And also, if you die, <laughs> the power is not. Which, you- let me tell you, is actually an issue. I have an elderly mother, and I have said to her many times, I need you to open an account that I'm on or my sister's on yes. so that I can pay for your funeral. As a funeral director, I can tell you that because I'm going to have a shirt made one day that says power of attorney dies with you. <laughs> right. It's just, it would be easier to wear the shirt than to explain this because it's such, it's such a misconception. And so many people come in and say, but I'm the power of attorney. And at that moment, you know, it's fine if we're in the pre-arrangement process, if we're setting up the escrow account, you can sign the documents there. You have access to the funds. But power of attorney ceases at the time of death. So if you were just the POA on the checking account, you have lost direct access to those funds. Exactly. And people don't understand that. That's really a problem. Well, the other thing is organizing your stuff. So I I made a binder, which now is totally outdated. It's got to be 15 years old. But do people in your family know where the binder is? Well, that was my next thing is your family has to know where it is. You can make the plan, but then who's going to execute unless you don't like say, 
God forbid something happens, go in the drawer next to the bed or wherever it may be. I usually send a group text to everyone (laughs) before a big trip. So I'm going to share something. My mother-in-law passed away about six months ago. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. They can't find the original will. After all the estate planning, and she's not in New York, and they won't accept a non-original will. After all the work they did, she ends up in test date. Wow. Yep. Let that be a lesson right Let there, Let that be Mara. a lesson. Believe me, I know where my mother's will is. It's <sighs> in my house. Now, <laughs> I'm going to throw out another thing that I've heard come up that is a new problem, getting into their uh, devices. And Absolutely. Di- digital legacy. This is a whole new field. I think that they're going to have to create some type of, uh, not a power of attorney, but something where you pass on the ability to enter the uh, device because people now run their entire businesses off their phone. Absolutely. And you can't get into the device. I've heard this happen numerous times. Absolutely. And what happens when it's your thumbprint or facial yeah, or recognition? Yeah, facial recognition. <laughs> and then you get locked out after all these failed passport attempts. But again, the digital footprint, it, it's not just anymore that we had a Facebook account. It, these are, you know, access to our whole life is really there. So you, it begs the question, will there be digital POAs now? Is That's that right. going to become an entity? Have you heard uh, anyone discussing that? You know, I, I have heard um, kind of like steps of what to do to terminate. I think Facebook actually even does have some reference to that on the settings and security page of what to do. Correct. Tim. Um, and I think there are companies out there or, you know, necessity breeds inventions. So there are businesses being born that really tackle this and feel free in the comment section, if you can point us to anyone who handles settling the digital estate, if you will. Yeah, this is a good question, but also, you know, you're supposed to comb through your contacts on your phone every once in a while, just like going through your old Rolodex and pulling out cards. Oh, Rolodex. We still My have one LinkedIn <laughs> has several deceased people on it. Really? Yes. And I, I, I'm like, what happens here? They didn't, you know, close the account. I know on Facebook, you can do something and have like a memorial somewhat, but I have noticed it on my LinkedIn that there are some people no longer with us. So there must, this must be something you have to add, especially if you're people in businesses that are small businesses and running it and yourself. And there's a lot of e-commerce platforms yes. like Shopify, you know, like I, my whole jewelry collection is run through Shopify. So that's something, there's no brick and mortar, everything from access to payments, digital right. wallets, um, even the whole concept of digital wallets that you can give you know, I, I sound like a dinosaur, but so technology is a generation behind me. So the gap between us and our kids is pretty wide. And my daughter's like, you can just send me Apple cash. And I'm like, I, I can do what? How? And oh, then she on, walks you through the steps. No, but because, you know, again, like this is everything, everything is, is here. So you're right. I mean, this is something that should be, so maybe there's an idea right here for well, you guys. So we had our mothers on our, our uh, cellular phone plan, okay. which I could track them. <laughs> it comes full case. circle, doesn't it? Yes, you it know, does. For, you know what? They become but, like children. But if I don't hear from her and Absolutely. I want to worry, but also my husband's been able to get into all of my mother-in-law's accounts because he's had her phone. Mm. There you go. There you, so access, access, access that gave theme. access. So we were doing them a favor because they are a generation really behind on the yeah. digital stuff. But having mothers who text is very useful and having 
So that's advice. It's very true. You know, th- this is right. Re- so when Maura was talking about her mother-in-laws, my mother is much younger and has a computer science degree, which is again, very unique. She got, she went to school when I was a girl. So in some ways she's even more advanced than me, but quite a pioneer. Your mom, my mom is a pioneer and she was a guest on our show. She was, who wants oh, to learn more about her. It's, it's a great episode. She, you know, did chemistry too at the dining room table, but, um, the point I was going to make was with this fraud, this rampant fraud that's affecting a lot of elderly Identity people, yeah. we all shared our location, even my kids with everyone, because my mother called me kind of freaking out. Where are the kids? I got this strange phone call and I said, okay, everyone needs to share, including mom. And then we know where we are. Um, but that times out. So you need to renew it every once in a while. But that's, that's another like the, thing. The other thing too, like the Life 360. And, yes. you know, there, there's some great things out there. Um, I'm going to give you another you, thing that I'm sorry, yeah. that I think people should do. They should talk to their children. Absolutely. And give them a sense of what's going to happen. I mean, of course, it has to be age appropriate. Sensitive honesty. Oh, I've listened. And again, hmm. growing up, my daughter up in this situation, there were always real conversations, age appropriate and the dialogue evolved as she gets older. But if you don't raise your children with the ability to handle life and reality and to go out there and pivot, if you will, we're not really doing them any great favor as parents. You have to talk to your kids. And a part of that, and one of our guests talked about this, it was Paul Sullivan, that you should talk to your children about money. Yes. Both in the context of death and life. Yes. And, and growing children up with these digital wallets, they don't, you know, there's, a lack of cognizance of oh, what money definitely. actually is. It's just these transactions across text, but yeah. there's nothing to back it. I mean, talk about a dinosaur. I have a check register and I like to see what's going it. in and what's going I out. I love it. I love to see a check. Well, <laughs> I love it. I'll be a dinosaur with you, Maura. I love it. <laughs> um, you know, to, uh, this is what I knew this was going to happen. Before you leave, we're going to schedule a part two because there's a lot, but I want everyone to tune into The Balanced Dilemma. This is a great show. These are great women. I've I've had the privilege of knowing you both for over 20 years, and I've been in awe of you. You're inspirational. When can people listen to you here? Uh, Well, we're here on uh, Thursdays at 10.08. Yes, and we're on this Thursday. Thursday, and then you have a podcast that's available on Spotify and Apple and and Google. It's thebalancedilemma.com. You can reach us at dilemma at gmail.com. And um, you can find our podcast at the Balanced Dilemma Podcast. And with that. And on social media. And this is the Balanced Dilemma. Jen Moore and Christy, thanking you for taking the time to listen as we took the time to talk. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. 1460 WBON.